0: For children in poverty, life has always been hard, but the pandemic, war, and weather disasters have thrust families into a global food crisis. The hungry are even hungrier. When you sponsor a child through Compassion, you provide the food, clean water, and other support needed to make sure your child survives. Plus, with your love and encouragement, that child can grow and thrive. You can find out how and choose a child to sponsor when you click on the Compassion banner, at ksbj.org. You've had the experience. Something catches your eye. Or you're having a good hair day or you're loving your gourmet meal. So you snap a picture and post it on social media. Then you wait. You wait for the love and affirmation to pour in. You check the responses and you refresh the page and check it again. When the likes start adding up and the comments begin, you feel validated for your effort, valuable, seen, completely filled up, and self satisfied. Or nothing. No one reacts. No likes, no comments, no shares. And suddenly you feel rejected and isolated, even worthless. In the absence of affirmation from others, you are left feeling empty. That is the emotional roller coaster of chasing approval in our selfie world. I'm Kim Weir. This is the Art of Friendship Podcast. You know, new things have become something when they're finally added to the dictionary. And in 2013, selfie received that distinction. Merriam-Webster defines selfie this way, an image that includes oneself and is taken by oneself using a digital camera to post on social networks. But if we were to say what a selfie is for many people, it might read like this. An image that includes oneself is taken by oneself for posting on social networks in order to validate oneself. The selfie world we now live in has given the craving we all have for approval and popularity a new outlet and a new trap that is leaving many with a deflated sense of worth. In fact, that chase has given rise to another new term selfie objectification, basically turning ourselves into an object for others to consume. And if no one wants what we have to offer, Well, when that happens, ironically, we have nothing to offer because the well runs dry. Let's call that selfie sabotage. It's that cycle where your sense of value goes up and down based on likes and shares. There has to be a better way to fill up our innate need for significance. Today, Megan Marshman is at the table to offer a different path to fulfillment. Megan is currently the teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church and the director of women's ministry at Hume Lake Christian Camps. She also shepherds women in her home church of Arbor Road. She gets around. She authored the book Selfless, Meant for God, and co-wrote the book Seven Family Ministry Essentials. And her message to all of us in a selfie generation is to stop looking into the camera and look up if you want to find real worth and have something significant to share with others. Let's welcome Megan. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Kim. So much of what we do outwardly has to do with how we see ourselves inwardly. And that's something that a lot of us don't want to, or maybe don't have the capacity, the framework to contemplate.
1: Yes, my goodness. I think, I'll say five years ago, I found myself wondering this exact same thing, wanting to change my outward actions, not exactly sure where to start and found myself with an interesting prayer that man has taken me on quite a journey. And that prayer being, God, would you free me from being merely aware of myself and the freedom that's come as a result of God answering that prayer over and over again gets me excited to talk all the more about it because it allows us to be responsible with the gifts he's given us. If we can be free from merely worrying about whether or not we're using them, and then we suddenly start to use them when we become less self conscious.
0: There seems to be there is this obsession with Yeah. What what's available to me? What do I have? What are my gifts? What are you know, and this obsession of of what are they rather than, Lord, just use me. <laughs> you know? yeah, I need like to identify willing. and pinpoint and think about and, and, and measure and take a test on. Um, <laughs> we, 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 there is this obsession about it when it comes to the idea of, of equipping. Um, and I, I wonder, I want your thoughts on this, Megan. Is this more of the symptoms of the obsession with self?
1: Yes. it. Oh, man, I think we all have experienced it, and we maybe wondered where it comes from. And, of course, we can do things like you said earlier, blaming is a huge thing. We can blame social media, and we can spend all of our time doing that and ironically using social media to blame itself. Uh, Or we can begin to do something about it and see where, really where the roots of this started. And I think it really, gosh, uh, not to over-spiritualize anything, but it goes back to the very beginning where it says in the beginning, God, and it highlights right there, just like any good book, the main character of the story, which ironically is not us. But I get I get how we get so caught up in it, especially with this digital age where everything becomes about us. We have a profile. We check our social media. We want to make sure that, you know, we're aware of whether or not people are taking notice of us. It's because, it's, you know, you feed, whatever you feed grows, and the more you check it, it's going to grow in you, and we're going to act just like Adam and Eve, who start to listen to other voices other than God themselves telling us the truth about who we are. And man, it's devastating. And it's also incredibly exhausting. And I feel like it leads to those crazy versions of ourselves where we feel like we're not doing enough, but at the same time, we're doing too much at the exact same time. And then we find ourselves just being crazy people. And so if that's you listening in, you're not crazy, uh, but you're also (laughs) not original. It was page three that it all began. We started to become far too aware of ourselves.
0: I realize that this is a problem for humankind. But it just seems particularly pervasive among women that mm-hmm. this is a, a real challenge for us to see ourselves the way God sees us, uh, to yeah. self-analyze. Well, so I'll just take, you know, between my husband and I, let me just say, <laughs> it's definitely gonna me a problem for me more than it is for him. If God says this about him, he's like, cool. Okay, <laughs> that's good. I, I, I'll t- I'm good with that. Let's move on. And I need yeah. to, yeah, but what exactly, let me nuance and parse and look for, and I, there is this sense of we're almost, I wonder if you, if you feel this is true of women or even of yourself. Um, I think sometimes that's the most authentic place we can speak is our own yes. self is that we almost look for reasons that it's not true. That what, what yeah. God's word says is, yes, but I'm the exception and yeah. and we work hard at at identifying those things that are unlovable about us or that make us unqualified. Man, my my mind is thinking back to
1: even um, God's original words to us, right? The whole, he creates everything and it's good, 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 good. Then he makes humans and he uses the word very good. And I, and I remember someone wanting to speak that into my life. And again, it is much harder to say, I I can talk about women in general, and it feels a lot safer. But you're right. I remember trying to receive this message myself and the words, uh, very good. You lack nothing you need to honor and glorify God with your life. And I'm like, I like the idea and the concept of that. I don't know what it is that makes us not believe it ourselves. But um, I've gone on quite the journey to try to discover this for myself personally and feel like I'm coming out on the other end, not completely free, but man walking in freedom, not just knowing I'm free, but beginning to take steps and walking in it. And is one of the most freeing things. I wish I could grab every woman and go, it's possible. It's completely possible that you could look in the mirror and not point out what's not good first. It's totally possible because God makes it possible. As long as you begin to lean in Him and not try all these self-help efforts, um, rather, man, I just want to take people right to the source so they can hear the words from God Himself, not necessarily even from another preacher who is going to try and convince them but to hear it directly from the source because, man, it changes everything.
0: Mm. Uh, I went to a play uh, last night of a friend's son was in a musical, and it was interesting because um, one of the songs in this musical that uh, kind of is popping into my mind as we're having this conversation is this Be the Hero of Your Own Story. You know, it's kind of mm. uh, really the theme of the whole, the whole movie. It's very entertaining, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it leads you, if you actually practice that, where you are the object of your own salvation, victory, purpose, the hero of your own story. But it really is sort of the message of the world. Uh, it's tempting to believe the story we're,
1: we're religious, like you said. I mean, culture feed, the social media feed. Just, it's very tempting to believe we're the main character of our story because, duh, we're in every scene. So why why wouldn't we be? Um, and and when that happens, I think when you begin to put yourself there, like, and and again, it, it, it's very entertaining. It's entertaining to the world, especially when you start to find yourself achieving. Just like the play you watched last night, it's so, but it's also incredibly exhausting because that wasn't the way that God. That God made it to be, and and the unfortunate thing is, I remember someone t- talking about this study of happiness and how everyone wants happiness for their kids or they want happiness for themselves. And is that a bad thing? Of course not. Everyone wants to be happy. Look how fun it is! <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but if we if we want happiness for our kids or we just want happiness for ourselves or uh, we just want us to be the main character, then the problem with that is is you begin to Uh, critique everyone around you based on how they're boosting your image, right? So, or how happy does my spouse make me? Then no wonder you get in so many arguments because that spouse seems to exist to therefore you know, build up you as the main character of your life. And that's a scary place. Or you critique any coworker you have based on how happy they make you, any box that you hold. And if Jesus really sent us into all of those places for us to be sharpened, to grow into holiness, that the entire world might get to know who Jesus is by you being precisely where he has you. I think we miss that message when we find ourselves wrapped up in me. And I find it really interesting just last night, because I'm sure the whole crowd is, you know, clapping together in unison to the theme song and then they Hoist a kid up in the air and he sticks his hand in the air as the rest of the kids who are doing the hoisting just wish it was them. I have a feeling (laughs) um, our world is, gosh, so surrounded by it and we're so unaware of it. And that would be what five years ago when I had this huge prayer epiphany of like, I think I just want to become a lot more free from walking into rooms and thinking about me. And I think we've all tasted and experienced that. Absolutely, women have that in common. But what I've come to realize is I think men have it as well. There's just that you walk into a room and you wonder, What's significant about me? Where am I going to sit? Who do I know that's going to either bolster me as the main character of my story or at least make me feel comfortable to get through this event so I can go home and feel comfortable again, turn on Netflix and uh, disregard uh, what my mind is going to because for some reason some negative thoughts keep popping in. Man, Mm. I think there has to be another way. So it has to be conversations like this one. You and I are having, Kim, that make us stop and go, there is another way? I'd be curious to ask you as someone, gosh, who gets to interview so many people, what it looks like for you to live in this world, which is focusing on you. And you have this incredible talk show and you do incredible things. And I'm sure the world wants to continue to, you know, hoist you up into the air. How do you continue to make God the main character of your story?
0: You go home and your family says, what's for dinner? You know, it's funny because we do, we go into a room and we think, oh, what's so-and-so going to think? I need to stand. If I stand here, is my hair? You know, We're thinking about all the ways that people are thinking about us. And the reality is not a soul in there is thinking about us because they're thinking no. about themselves and what we're <laughs> thinking about them. And it's uh, the crazy cyclical uh, irony of this self-sickness that we allow ourselves to get into. And it's just like somebody going to slap you and say, snap out of it. <laughs> you know, like, maybe, snap out of it. But it's so great that we can say that to each other. Every yeah. one of you out there, I love you. You are my brothers and sister in Christ. So I can metaphorically slap you and say, snap out of it, the same way <laughs> Megan's doing to me right now. <laughs> so oh, Let me let me just
1: add one sentence. You would you would think less and worry less about what people thought of you. Just to say what you said, you would worry less about what
0: people thought of you if you realize how little they actually did. Yeah, they just don't. <sighs> they just don't. Take a breath. Uh, Megan, we talked about the fact that one of the places— that we need to start if we're going to realize it's not about us is to realize it is all about him. But here's the fun thing. One of the first things that he did, at least that we, the record that we have, we've got the Bible that is his record of himself and his dealings. And the first thing we see is that he occupies himself with making us, which is, (laughs) it's his story. But in his story, one of the very first things he does, and then he calls it very good, yeah. Is he makes people in His image, and that includes us. It is. It's.
1: It's unbelievable. And I, you know, just last night I was with a, a bunch of high schoolers talking about this very thing about how a perfect, holy God existing in a triune—you know, God the Father, loving and glorified God the Son, loving and glorified God the Holy Spirit—loves. You know, it's just just like, and then from all of eternity he always existed. Again, I can't quite comprehend that. And I'm okay with a God I can't quite comprehend. It's better that way. It's better that way. And so this perfect, infinite God that has everything chose to create, obviously. So if he has everything, he didn't create because he had some sort of need. And then when he creates us, like you said, he creates us in his image, which means, I think, similarly, that when we live, when we create, when we love, we shouldn't do it out of a need to be filled up by people's, opinions or thoughts on what we do, create, be, look like, all of that. We can do it just like our Creator out of the fullness of the fact that from our Creator, we already have everything that we need. So suddenly doing the things that He's gifted with us doesn't feel like a burden. It becomes a delight, and we get to share how God made us. And man, it is so fun when you know you're you're doing exactly what God has called you to. But again, if you're obsessed with your part in it, Man, I think you'll miss it, and life will not be as enjoyable as God intended no,
0: you don't only really miss it it's like being it's like being shackled Come you know, on. It's, it's like being chained up um you're so desperate to want to be this force in God's story, and yet you're unable to move because the chains of self are so tightly constricting you, you can't yeah. seem to move outside of that perspective um That here's what I want you to do is cast this vision for us, because sometimes that's really all we know. know, It's hard to to envision something when it's all you know. And when we're so worried about really what is our part, what is our story, all the things that we've already talked about, it's hard to picture, well, what could it be like? What would it look like if I was able to move past that? Paint paint that picture for us.
1: Yeah, I would say that there's kind of like a, a twofold thing that I love. Uh, the moment I got it, it changed me. And the moment I'm watching other people get it, it changes them. And it's kind of this like twofold thing. Number one, recognizing the story is not about you, which I think a lot of listeners would go, yeah, 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 I agree with that. It's not like I live into the reality of that, but I at least agree. But understanding that, okay, so it's not about you, but acknowledging that it does involve you and your part in it is extremely significant. I think a lot of people long for significance and they mm-hmm. naturally try to find it in themselves. And um, the best way I know how to explain the freedom is probably through like a A metaphor, which is that of a cup. Uh, I grew up rather outgoing, which may not be a surprise. (laughs) And uh, I distinctly remember, you know, taking my little cup of love because, you know, God so loved me and I knew that. So I'd run around and love people. And I mean, now that I'm a mom, I really relate to running around splashing love on my kid and splashing love on my husband, splashing love on my friends and everyone I come into contact with, which of course is a great thing, right? I think a lot of people, we do our best to love people because that's what God told us to do. So we're trying, but we're still exhausted. And I I think one of the problems with this, and this is you, uh, if you can relate, let's see if people can relate, is you kind of, you love people, but then you hold out now your empty cup in their direction. And then you wait, and you wait for Mm -hmm. their opinions of you to fill you up. And if people like you, if you're accepted, if you're noticed, appreciated, Mm -hmm. then you feel filled up or you feel what we're talking about, free. But unfortunately, we find ourselves so dependent upon other people who, like we kind of alluded to earlier, who are ironically just holding out their empty cups in our direction. And it's kind of this cyclical problem that continues to revolve around self. So the beauty of what God created is, number one, the cup works because a cup was designed to sit with its opening upward. That's how it was designed. And I think us too, it's the, the power, the potential is to take our cups and you can do this. You can do this now. You can do this in a prayer. You can do this tonight in conversations with friends. You take your cup away from other people. You say, I'm so sorry. In fact, one time I called my husband. And I said, honey, you are fired from being the source of my life. And I'm so <laughs> sorry for putting you there. And it turned into a bigger apology than blame. But I'm so sorry I put you there. And he found himself just so relieved and free because houses make crummy gauze. And I decided to start tilting my cup upward to be filled by the thoughts of the Lord. And I literally, to this day, before I walk into certain social events that I could feel that temptation to make it about me, I actually close my eyes, imagine pouring out the cup of insecurity, pour out the cup of fear, anxiety, just empty myself. And then I just meditate on who God is. And then I walk into that room and I'm not worried about being left because I already know that I am. Mm-hmm. And then the fun thing is, you just get to overflow naturally and it becomes a byproduct and less. Effort and man, it is. I think the life that God intended when he talked about it in John chapter 10. Mm. He came to give us life, and it doesn't have to be life sucking, it can be so generous because our God has been so generous with us.
0: I love that picture. We have this perception of the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience. You know, this cluster, this cluster <laughs> because it becomes all just so much noise as we fail. You know, we, we've yeah. got this cluster of things that we we try so hard to muster up. I'm a Christian, so I yeah. need to be loving and I need to love you and you're driving me crazy. And then mm-hmm. uh, joy follows that, but not so much because you've already emptied my cup because yeah. this whole love thing didn't work. But it's this idea <laughs> of, you know, there, there is nothing to muster, that it is yeah. love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, which is this beautiful picture you've just given. Put your cup upward. Let the t- yeah. stop trying to tip it out when there's nothing in it. Point your cup upward. Love the Lord your God. Focus if you're going to focus effort, focus it on loving God, getting to know him through his word, letting the truth of what God's word says about his character, his magnificence, his worthiness. Let yeah. the reality of those things so make you fall more and, more and more and more and more and more and more and more in love with him. You don't have to worry. The more you have grown your love for him those are the things will be organic you can't yes. love god to that extent and not love people and not find yeah. a joy and not have a peace that i love the picture i just i love that visual making of the cup pointed upward because that's something we could hold on to as we go through the day up oh, my cup yeah. tipped i'm trying to get it from her
1: put that cup back up i'm just going to tilt it right it, it it kind of originated from the um, paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 where he's praying for christians and he's saying, gosh, I pray that you would know that you're loved. And, and you know, and he doesn't pray for them to um, know that they're loved so that they do more. They go, no, know that you're loved so you can know that you're loved and then know that you're loved. So that, and he finishes with, so that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And God does that filling. It's the fruit of spirit you're talking about, right? The loving, the joy, the peace, peace <laughs> that peace might actually fill you with that. He wants it. And even what you mentioned earlier of the love God, yes, he does this command, but that's not and this is a different take on the Lord. I don't think it's what God wants from you. I think he, it's what he wants for you. I think we yes. think about our relationship with God as a duty and we miss out that no no no, no. it's actually what he wants for us or community is not what God wants from us. It's what he wants for us. It's a gift. And it's it's just this sort of idea begins to shift. Your mind, and again, you become free from being merely aware of yourself, and and then you become God conscious, and suddenly you start to look at everything, even chaos, through a lens of what God might have. So, if you are a parent and your kid screws up again, or for the first time, (laughs) okay. So, if your kid screws up and you recognize the story is all about God, then you go, Oh, I remember when I was really close to God when I screwed up. So suddenly, in their screw ups, you'd have hope. You're not fearing. it. just this whole thing of God being the main character begins to completely shift your perspective. And when he fills you, man, it's a lot more effortless than trying to be filled.
0: Mm. Oof. You know, it's fascinating because there there is this thing in us that sort of kind of go back at the beginning of our conversation that longs for a hero. And I don't think that is a manufactured desire. I think it is a corrupted desire. We've made ourselves the hero as we've looked for that person, that rescuer, because we need a rescuer. Or we make somebody around us a rescuer. And of course, both of those will disappoint us. The longing is there that we would look up and we would see we have this great hero of the story. We have this rescuer. I think the mistake we make is thinking that We are organically going to understand him. That is where his word is so important, is because that is where we get to know him as he is, as he's defined himself. I just would argue that that's not going to come organically just because you placed faith in Christ. That yeah,
1: absolutely. You have you to have know to hear him. another voice. Yeah, yeah I, the, one of the top questions I get, I get to go speak in different contexts, and specifically from uh, women is, "How do you hear from God?" And, I, and my they probably hate my answer because my first answer uh, is, "Yeah, yeah, I read it," because it's God's word. I think that we forget that when we refer to the Bible as God's word, that it's God speaking to us. So of course we have to listen to yeah. other voices than the ones we hang out with. I always heard this stat that you are basically the average of the f- your five closest friends. Which hopefully right now I think naturally everyone starts to go, okay, I see a friend one, oh they're all right, two, uh <laughs> versus going like, wait, wait, am I the type of friend that actually makes that you know upward? And are you increasing kind of the questions. average of your friends? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Then there's the question though: Are you hanging out with Jesus at all? because of course he's not going to have a radical influence if he's a small voice in your life. If he's not, it's such a funny phrase, but in your top five, I think we use a lot of other circles, but if he's not, I mean, the Holy Spirit wants to shape you all the time, all he's looking for is someone who's receptive and ready. And I think we can do that. We can become more receptive and ready at church. We can become more receptive and ready in quiet time. There's so many places, Uh, but that's also the beauty of also analyzing your friends and going, Man, do I have people that shape me to form me to look more like Christ or to push me to make sure Jesus is part of my top five? Imagine if you literally if we had the opportunity to sit with Jesus when He was incarnate here on earth, as we sat at his feet, I think he would just be feeling like crazy. I think that's that's the posture. It's sitting there, receiving, and then when you walk away from your time spent with Jesus, now let's go to our modern day when we spend time with Jesus, we get to be filled. And then as you walk away, now imagine your cup, uh, uh, imagine your cup, and then imagine Niagara Falls. That's yeah. the love of Christ and spending time with them. The the, the splashing outside of it, yeah, yeah, of course it's exhausting, but man, that posture of sitting at his
0: feet, I think that's a word for all of us. I know it for sure is for me. To be able to get to the, these are all the prerequisites to really being able then to look outwardly, to then say, I, Lord, I can take responsibilities that you give me. Because I'm doing it not out of a sense of I'm trying to feel worthy. I'm trying to accomplish something, you know, to make me somehow feel better or gain appreciation or get my cup filled because I did it. But now I'm ready to take responsibility because it's an overflow of serving you better.
1: Yeah, and you can. And then suddenly you are excited to use your gift. it doesn't feel like a burden because you don't have to use it to bolster your image. you just get to use it as a part of a greater body that God is using that God will take and he will man utilize for his glory again again as I'm listening to you just like dissect what we've been talking about I'm just longing for people who are driving or sitting and listening to this radio station going, yeah, there is another way. And I can take responsibility. And the word responsibility even doesn't have to be an, another thing to add onto what you're already doing. It's just a consciousness of what he wants to do through you. And that's exciting that God has so entrusted your family or your friends or your coworkers. He's entrusted you because, because he saw you, he put your gifts and he goes, I have a plan for them. And it happens to include you. The plan for your family includes you. And so that responsibility doesn't become a burden. That responsibility becomes exciting because we are a significant part in what God is up to through his story.
0: You can tell that we are, because of where we are, not only American culture, but the the culture of the church right now that has so adopted the mindset of the world around us that we're anemic in this area in the church. Uh, But what a gift we can give to each other to remind one another that this is true, to remind one another of what our position is in God, to remind, to point each other. I hope you're four friends, you're five friends. You might've had a cold down. Maybe you got three now. Um, (laughs) I I hope that we're pointing each other toward that truth. Hey, you know what? Don't worry about that. Go back and remember how beloved you are, how chosen you are, what God says about you. Those are things that we should be saying to one another. Yes, I think of even even
1: and this is a big one for women is how we encourage one another. So I uh, the word encourage means to give courage so we have to be mindful that if we only encourage our friends on how they look, which is an easy, quick compliment, which, of course, we appreciate. uh, But if we're only giving women courage to look pretty, then, of course, they feel pressure the next morning to only get ready physically. And then they're somehow surprised that that's where we find our confidence throughout the day and how we physically appear. We have to be the type of community that not only is responsible for ourselves and what God has entrusted to us, but also, when you're free from just merely being aware of yourself, you become free to give courage and be responsible for your friends taking care of their gift and seeing themselves in light of how the Creator sees them.
0: And then of irony of all ironies, as we begin to take responsibility for our top five, for our husbands, for our children, for our wives, uh, for our church at large, for our culture, beyond our own borders, as we begin to to take responsibility as God gives the opportunity, this incredible thing happens. We feel great about that. And it's not in a way that's transient or that's false or temporary yeah. because it's a matter of this I do in the name of the Lord Jesus, not this I do in the name of Kim. Don't you just love me for it? Yeah. I mean, because it's it, the very thing that we were scrambling trying to get at yeah. is the very thing that comes wow. organically when we're freed up to live in his story. Yeah, I think we've experienced snapshots. I'm guessing you have,
1: Kim, and I, I'm guessing a lot of listeners have as well. That Those moments where you know you're living exactly as God intended and it's not about you. Maybe you were just serving a group that came over. Maybe you were leading a mega something or other. I don't care what it was, but those are moments you find yourself going, I'm living exactly how God intended And you're not aware of yourself. You're just enjoying it. You're present in the moment. And I'm going to jump back just a second. Uh, We were talking about our friend group and the top five and who we surround ourselves with and how we're the average. I have a random word that kept coming into my heart that I feel like I need to share with the men listening in. This is so random, but I think it's uh, profound as I'm thinking through it. Men who are listening in, um, would you just know that your words are insanely powerful? I know that the Bible speaks about words in general being powerful, but I think I just want to remind men out there that when you speak the words, the courage you choose to give to your wives or to your coworkers or friends, they are really powerful. And to use those, use that, be responsible with those words that God has given to you. Just let me encourage you, give you courage uh, to use those words, because I think you have incredible power to shape people and push them towards Christ. So I picture, I remember one of the biggest compliments I ever received from my husband was, and it started like this, Megan, in Christ, this is how I see Christ in you. And then he finished off the sentence. And it was different because if he told me I looked pretty, which I always appreciate the the times he does, uh, if if he just tells me I look pretty, I run to looking pretty to find courage. But if he, that, that moment he said, here's how I see Christ in you, I ran to Christ to look more like Him as a result, and it was so profound. So I was just thinking about, yes, we have friends, yes, we have communities, yes, women have certain struggles, and yes, men have certain struggles, but man, just as a woman uh, speaking to any male listeners out there, uh, just be encouraged to remember the power of your words. I mm-hmm. think it's uh, something that God has given to you that I trust. Hopefully you're receiving this uh, to be responsible with because us women, we do look to you. We are grateful for you. We, we need your words of encouragement mm-hmm. to give us courage to look more like Christ.
0: That's the beautiful thing about our words, which is why we're told to, they should always be full of grace um, yeah. and that they're powerful and that we will give an account for every single one. Guys, I hope that you will um, be encouraged take courage from all of the wisdom of our dear friend, Megan Marshman tonight, and that you will continue to take courage when you pick up a copy of her book. It's called Selfless, Living Your Part in the Big Story of God. Um, if you have changed the way you think today, this will help you stay on that path. Megan, thanks so much. I hope you'll come back. You're a delight, dear one. Oh, oh, I was just using, thinking in my head, Kim, you are a delight. So how, how, how let you use that word. There is so much freedom in knowing the truth that life is not all about us. In the beginning, God. Eternity is telling His story, but incredibly, He has given us a place of significance in His story. Genesis one twenty six, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the livestock of all the earth and every creeping thing. Psalm says, What is man that you are mindful of him? You made him a little lower than the angels, and you crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Oh, Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We have been given a place of honor in his great story because we're beloved by him. So beloved, so valuable, so significant that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 Nothing that anyone has to offer could possibly fill us up like that reality. I, for one, am going to remember that this week when I'm scrolling through Instagram and checking out TikTok and reading Facebook posts. Rather than going there looking for others to fill my cup of worth, I want to go overflowing already knowing I have worth. And that would be our friend a for an entire week. Go without posting anything so that you're not looking to receive anything. And instead, every day, at least 15 minutes a day, take your cup into the presence of God and let him fill you up. Then after a week, see if you don't overflow with good things to give out to other people. To help you along the way, of course, you can pick up a copy of Megan's book, Selfless, Living Your Part in the Big Story of God. I'm so glad that you are part of the Art of Friendship podcast story. Thank you so much for being here each week, for listening to the episodes, for sharing the episodes. If you have time, I would ask if you might want to do one more thing. We would love for you to review the Art of Friendship podcast on whatever streaming site you happen to be listening. We would love for you to share your thoughts with the podcast community. And if you're interested in more great podcast options, head on over to hopeondemand.com. Check out The God Shot with Tara Lee Cobble or anything but quiet time with Carter and Rochelle. We've got Kathleen Carnelli's You Can Study, Welcome to Texas with Bill Ingram and a new podcast called Tour for Living. We're growing our podcast family and we'd sure love to include you in that too. On a personal note, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at info, I-N-F-O at kimweir.com. I would love to hear your story. I'd love to hear how some of the wisdom that our guests are sharing has made an impact in your life. If you have ideas on shows you'd like us to do, I'd love to hear that too. You can email me at info at kimweir.com. All right, my lovelies, that brings us to the end. Until we're together again next time, thanks for joining us. And remember... Keep friending with Purpose.